Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of Truer Love Stories. I can't help but think about the number 18 being auspicious. Being the Jew that I am, the number 18 in Judaism represents life. 18 is high, high is life. And so when we, you know, cheers our wine, we'll say l'chaim, to life, right? So 18 is just a very powerful, auspicious number for Jews. And so I'd like to think that some of that power and auspiciousness is packed into today's episode because it's one that is huge if you are a single person, a single woman out there dating, trying to date. You have probably had run-ins with the dating apps. They're kind of a thing. Maybe you've heard of them. And there's a lot of feelings around the dating apps for us who have been on them, who know what it's like. It is a crazy experience being on the dating apps. It's like the Wild West, I like to say, where there's just no rules. It feels like every man and woman for themselves. And, you know, almost like it's like an underbelly of society where everyday rules don't apply, right? Like how you might talk to or deal with someone in real life for some reason, you know, someone who would who would be kind to you in real life, they don't show up that way on the apps. Um, it's almost like driving. I don't know if that's just the L.A. driver in me, but like <laughs> I say things to people and act a certain way when I have road rage or when I'm in my car that I would never in a million years say to them if I was like looking at their face or talking to them in real life. Right. Like somehow our cars give this kind of, you know, buffer or this separation that makes us feel more distant from the person in the other car. Or maybe it's because we see the car and not the human being in the car, right? And I think that a similar effect happens on the dating apps. And we kind of almost become less connected, right? Because it's online. We're not really making a real connection. And so it's almost easier to dehumanize the other person, right? Or to show up in an unavailable way because there aren't the exact same kind of civil expectations, right? We all know people are there for similar things and we're all on guard, you know? And so I bring this up because a lot of the way that I teach people to date is through the dating apps. And that's because of a few reasons. First off, I met my husband on Tinder. Uh, I know that's something I talk about a lot, so I'm sure you've heard it. But it's true. Tinder, which was, you know, a hookup app, which is still, I think no one really actually takes Tinder very seriously. 
But I always reasoned that if I was, you know, quote unquote normal and wanted a real relationship and I was on the dating apps, then there's got to be someone else out there who's also normal and wants a real relationship, right? And so that's really what made me stay. And looking back, I realized that was so key because, you know, so much of the work that we do here and that I talk about all the time is dealing with our subconscious, right? And how we can really only manifest and get the things we want when we believe in them. We have to believe on a certain level. And if we have some limiting belief or a belief that's blocking a higher, more powerful belief, it's going to, I hate this word, but trump that belief, right? Like that negative belief is going to win out over the more positive belief that could be there. And so when we have limited beliefs or stories about how we might meet someone or where we might meet someone or what's true for us in our ability or deservingness to meet someone, that affects how we are showing up. And so I think that that is a big piece of why I even stayed on the apps is because I had hope, right? Like there was a part of me that even though I'd been on the apps for like over 10 years, on and off, constantly deleting, redownloading, you know, half being on, half talking to other people, right, in real life. But just there was something in me that stayed on them. And even though I wasn't coming up short or I was, you know, being in these situationships, I stayed on them. And I also just kept putting myself out there outside of the dating apps too. Because at the end of the day, it didn't really matter where I met someone because it always ended the same for me. You know, there were many people who I met in real life, um, at yoga classes or through friends. And even those relationships didn't end any differently than the ones when I met someone on the apps. And so that's kind of a big thing is that something that I really struggle with in the dating industry is that there's so much focus and marketing on where you meet people, right? As though there's going to be more quality people hanging out in one place than another. And it's true that, you know, like I work for Talkify and it's absolutely true that you can find more serious people. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Talkify is an online matchmaking service. And it's true that people are paying thousands of dollars to, you know, have that service. They're going to be more serious. But it doesn't mean that they're any more emotionally available. Right. And so it doesn't mean they're necessarily meeting their person any more quickly. And so that's the issue here is that, you know, we focus on the apps, we focus on matchmaking, we focus on speed dating. And while there's some truth to it, it's also the root of the issue, right? And so for me, that realization came that like, it doesn't matter where I'm meeting people, I am still the common denominator in all of these situations. So when am I going to actually look at what I'm bringing to each of these situations. What is that pattern I'm repeating that's not being resolved? Because that is the root of the issue here, not where we're meeting people. It's kind of like if someone were to go to the doctor because they have a headache, right? And they keep coming to the doctor and telling the doctor, like, I can't make this headache go away. And each time the doctor gives them Tylenol, and maybe their headache goes away. Maybe the doctor gave them Advil, because let's be real, it works a little better than Tylenol. But Let's say we get that Advil or we get that Tylenol from the doctor, right? 
and it gives us a temporary relief. And so we think, oh, well, I fixed the problem, right? But then the headache comes back. And so the only way to actually get rid of that headache might be to do an MRI and see if there's something more serious going on inside that person's brain to be causing those headaches, right? And so it's the same thing in the sense that the headache is the symptom. It's what alerts us to the problem, but it's not the problem itself, right? And so when we think about the dating apps, the dating apps or matchmaking or wherever it is you're meeting people, but the biggest issue people seem to have is with the dating apps. So that's the one I'm addressing. The dating apps are not the problem. The dating apps are the symptom of the disease. And the disease is that we are not emotionally secure. And the people we are attracting are not emotionally secure, right? We have insecure attachments. And so we're bringing that insecure feeling and perspective to the apps. You know, the apps in and of themselves are a neutral tool, kind of like money, right? Money in and of itself doesn't have power. It's not good or bad inherently, right? It's the power that we give to it by the way that we use it by the way that we think about it, by the way that we attach to it, actually, because our attachment styles also come out in money. They also come out in food. You know, it's just how we kind of orient ourselves in our world is often through our attachment style. And so in the same way that if you can learn to budget with money, right, and you can really learn how to control your money and get a handle on your money, you could be more powerful and more rich than you ever expected, right? But when you don't have a budget and you're just spending from an emotional place, which I have been there and know what that's like, you're going to just keep repeating the same patterns. And then you feel bad about yourself because you overspent. And like, you know, there's this battle between like, I want to be responsible, but I also need to live. And like, you just constantly feel like you're having to choose one over the other. And it's just, it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting, But when you have a framework of a budget, you can budget and be responsible, but you're also budgeting for happiness, right? You're budgeting for joy, which I know it sounds weird because you're like, well, I want to be more authentic than that. And I don't want to be, you know, constrained or confined. But if you think about it in one of my favorite dating books, The Four Man Plan, she talks about how because her book's all about romantic science also, and it's really good and I highly recommend it. But the author, Cindy Liu, talks about how music, right, is one of the most beautiful things we can experience. But it's all based on math, right? There's still rationale and logic behind things that are beautiful. And I think that in our very hyper-romanticized world where we are fed all these media images about romance and love and everything, we think it just has to be this, like, flighty thing that we don't have control over, that we don't understand, that is a mystery. And it's what keeps us captivated is not understanding the mystery. And the truth is that there is logic and science to love and it's called attachment theory. And that's why it's known as the science of love because there's predictability and we can understand how humans work, how humans bond, how humans attach. And how they will act based on those things. And we can predict them and we can provide a system to understanding our emotions and to having some sort of framework to rely on 
So we're not just emotionally acting out and going on these, you know, emotional shopping sprees, if you will, when we're finding ourselves, you know, frustrated in a relationship and we're not understanding why. And we just, we don't have a budget. We don't have a framework, right, to look to. And so we're just spending all over the place, right? Or doing the opposite, which is hoarding our money, right? So if you kind of think about it in this analogy, people who are like spendthrift and just spend their money emotionally are kind of more the anxiously attached people, right? And then the people who are avoidant are kind of like the ones who maybe don't spend their money and they hoard it and they hold on to it. Or maybe like when we're feeling like the protective mechanism, like I need to protect myself, that's when we will hold on to money, right? And hoard it. And neither of those extremes are necessarily healthy, right? So you want to find a way to be balanced. And so when we are using the dating apps, we have to get it out of our head that they have the power over us, that it's the nature of the apps. Because I can tell you, as a dating coach, as a matchmaker, as someone who was on the apps for many, many, many years, a lot of the same people hang out everywhere. Single people are going to gravitate to places where single people hang out. So your goal in those spaces is figuring out who is actually serious here and who's just here to hook up and who is emotionally available and can actually be someone who I not only get along with and I'm attracted to, but I can actually have a true partnership with. How can I look for that and understand that? And the way you start is by starting with the very root cause, right, which is you. Understanding your attachment style, understanding how your attachment style is contributing to how you show up on the apps, how you think about the way you swipe, how you interact with people, right? Like all of that has an effect. And so it's possible that you maybe just haven't learned how to use the apps effectively, right? Learning how to use them to your advantage because the advantage of the apps is that everybody is there. Everyone's there. People might go on and off the apps and say they don't like them or whatever, but the majority of people who are single have had a profile at some time and often deactivate and reactivate it. And so there are plenty of people out there for you to meet on the apps. It's just a matter of understanding how to use them in a way that you're not going to waste your time on people who aren't serious. It's like, how do you weed through, you know? And so you know, going back to this idea of romancing, the idea of meeting people, when I think about how I met my husband and how, you know, I used to romanticize everyone I looked at. I'd look at their profile and like before I'd even swipe yes or swipe right, I would be looking at every single picture, looking at how they dress, looking at their friends, you know, deciding if I like their energy, which, you know, is fair, all important things. But I would almost just like be like making up, right? Like if they looked like someone I would be attracted to, I was essentially building this story about them before I even talked to them, before I even swiped on them. And so then if they wouldn't swipe on me back or if they swipe on me back, but they don't message me, I'm like immediately disappointed and I don't even know them, right? It's actually what uh, dating coach Logan Yuri calls the Monet effect, where like from far away, they look great right? Like it's easy to create a full picture of someone from far away. But when you actually get to know them, 
they're not always how they seem from far away, right? And so I used to really romanticize everyone as I swiped. And with my husband, I remember I didn't put that much thought into it. I just thought he looked cute. He had nice eyes. I liked his style. And I really liked what he said on his profile. And so I was like, swipe. Yes. And I didn't spend much time projecting anything onto it. And is it luck that I that I stumbled upon him? Is there a certain level of cosmic divine order that I met him? Maybe. Maybe. I, I believe in that stuff. But I think more that it was Oprah's definition of luck, which is she says that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I absolutely think that's what happened. I think I couldn't have met my husband without both of those things because the preparation was all the years of therapy I had been doing. It was all the books, like the self-help books I was reading. It was the dating books I was reading, the podcasts I was listening to. That was my preparation. I was becoming more secure through starting to do those things, right? And through actively learning what my attachment style was, how can I manage it? How do I cope? When am I triggered? Like knowing myself and accepting those things. And as I became more secure, I stayed on the apps, which are what gave me the opportunity to cross paths with him, right? But had I crossed paths with him at another time, maybe two years before that, I don't know that I would have been prepared to recognize him as my person, right? Because I was finally at a place where I could separate the fantasy from the reality and judge someone based on how they're actually showing up and treating me and talking to me versus how I want them to treat me in my head. And I say this as an example, because I know so many of us go through this same thing because it's so confusing, right? Like what advice to listen to, what feelings to trust and not trust, right? And so that's the thing is that when we have a framework like attachment, we get clarity on those things. And that's what can help dictate our next steps. So I'm telling you all this because I don't want you to lose hope. Right? And I don't want your limiting beliefs about what's possible to keep you and block you from meeting and, and creating love with the person that you very well could have a lifelong partnership with. Right? I don't want these limiting beliefs about where you might or might not find love or what's possible where right, to keep you from putting yourself out there. You even just knowing what your attachment style is, you're like a million steps ahead of someone who doesn't know that because there's so much that comes with knowing that. And it means that you have a roadmap to start knowing how to actually meet people and make the most out of your interactions. So this is actually something that I am teaching. So if you are interested in using the apps more, and you really want to dig into your attachment style, I am hosting a free five-day challenge. It's called Master Love on the Apps. And it is all about how you can learn my proven scientific method of love. And I'm really excited to share with you what it is that combines the dating apps with the framework of attachment theory. 
And so you will walk away with a roadmap for attracting an emotionally available partner who is ready to commit. And that's the key, right? We are not here to convince people to be with us. We are not here to try to get people who say they're, you know, independent or they don't want a relationship or they're busy or whatever their reasons may be. We're not here to try to convince them. Because when we do that, we are operating from an insecure place. That is the core wound of someone with an anxious attachment and a little bit of fearful avoidant too, is that we have this desire to be chosen, right? We want to be chosen. That comes from that core abandonment wound. And it's so validating when someone chooses us that we become addicted to the desire to be chosen more than the actual person. And so then we let that wound guide us in our choices. And that is why we repeat these relationships. This is why you are repeating these relationships. If you relate to this, this is why. And so what we're doing in my challenge is we're actually looking at the apps through the lens of attachment theory. And I'm showing you exactly what I did and what I teach in my program for how to apply these heavily researched, reliable rules that we know about attachment to the apps so that you can start putting more secure energy out there to then attract a more secure partner who has a higher chance of being ready to commit and help you as you're swiping decide who is actually worth spending your time talking to, right? So you can know what to look for. And then in addition to that, right, it's not just attracting someone and knowing who is worth talking to, right, who you want to spend your time with. It's also what do you do once you have attracted that person? How do you keep them? How do you keep them, right? Like as you get to know people, more vulnerabilities show themselves. And so it's really important then at that stage to be able to have the tools to continue to show up securely. And so I'm going to be going over this for five days. My dating app challenge is a free live event, five days. It's starting on October 31st, going to November 4th. There will be replays if you can't make it every day, so don't worry. But there are going to be a lot of benefits to coming live. I'm going to have slides and information you can take away. And we are also doing a giveaway of my favorite new Oracle deck, the Moon Deck. I've been posting a lot of it on Instagram and on Facebook. It's such a beautiful deck. It has not only, you know, beautiful visuals, beautiful illustrations, but I love it because it has an affirmation for each day. It has a theme for each day. And then it has a ritual at the end that you can perform so that you can actually lean into the energy of that card more. So for instance, if it's the energy of worth, there's a ritual for that. If it's the part of being more wild and being more free, there's a ritual for that, which I believe involves howling at the moon, which I think is amazing. So that's going to be fun. We're going to be giving that away. And I'm going to be teaching you like... All of these bits from my program, it's pretty much a sneak peek and you will be able to walk away knowing how to use the dating apps for good and to be able to use them to your advantage so that you are not wasting your time on them and you're actually getting somewhere and you're actually using them for the amazing resource that they are. So that's the deal. If you do want to sign up for my challenge, feel free to go to Master Love on the apps 
www.truerlove.com. You can sign up right there. I am so excited to see you there. And if you have any questions for me at all, feel free to message me on Facebook. That's where I'm hanging out these days, Taryn Newton Gill. Or you can request to join my group, Manifesting Secure Love. That's where I'm going to be streaming my five-day challenge live. So feel free to show up there. And one little thing I want to leave you with is... If you are going to be on the apps up until our challenge, uh, if you're going to be doing them on your own, I really recommend journaling for five to 10 minutes after you have swiped and letting yourself see what's coming up for you as you swipe, what feelings, what thoughts, what beliefs. That's where you're going to start by seeing how you're reacting and how you're feeling just by swiping, because sometimes that alone can be super triggering. And it's good to bring awareness. And remember when we have shadows that are are the things we don't want to see about ourselves that are living in the dark, the way to heal them is to bring them to the light. And journaling is such an awesome way to do that, to start that honest dialogue with yourself about the things you maybe don't want to see or feel as you're experiencing them. So try that. Let me know how it goes. And I look forward to seeing you in the challenge. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast, produced by me, Taryn Newton-Gill, with the help of Guanisha Motley at One Elegant Exec, and edited by the amazing Max at Laguna Studios. If you'd like to anonymously share your personal love story and have me coach you on air, please email me at hello at truerlove.com. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, your support would mean so much. Please make sure to subscribe to the show to get updates on new episodes. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple extra minutes to review us on Apple Podcasts, your review goes a long way in getting more ears on our content. I can't wait to have you join me again. So in the meantime, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.